good morning. Wonderful to see you today. I hope you're having a great summer. Man, uh, we're, we've had a whirlwind. How many think it's been a whirlwind? Hey, we're at the end of July. What in the world? Sunshine showed up last week. So I, and that followed a horrific winter. So man, what a, what a year. My my son Nolan and his family just moved up from Denver, Colorado and uh, into a house last week. Uh, and, uh, and last week my daughter got married. So, wow. Somebody said, how was that? I said, you know, thank, thank you. She, uh, I said, you know, it's kind of like you just sit by the front door and watch the money walk out. <laughs> so... So we're, we're elated about that, and uh, we got five grandkids around right now, so if I look tired, <laughs> I've been learning how to put Legos together. <laughs> Always a learner. <laughs> hey, this is a psalm series, but let me say a couple things. One, I hope you're going to the Leadership Summit. Uh, never stop learning. Uh, I and my son Nolan, who just moved up here, we're both we're both signed up to go, and uh, so uh, really give that consideration. Second, it's always fun, isn't it? Just it just there's something something stirs in your soul when you hear when you hear those testimonies of people getting baptized, and uh, I uh, I just think, man, I'm just I'm glad I was here today just for that. So we're going to look at why music is more than entertainment today. Why music is more than entertainment. And we're going to look at how music brings healing to our life. We're going to look at how music surfaces longings in our life that we offer to God. We're going to consider how music reminds us of another world called heaven and draws us to that world. Now just uh, kind of an upfront thing. You would expect me to use Christian music to illustrate all that. But in fact... In order to show the power of music, we're going to use secular music for each point. Because music is indigenous to our souls. Indigenous to our souls. One writer writes this. It is an irrepressible expression of our being. Before Christ and the disciples went up to the Garden of Gethsemane, they sang. When Paul and Silas were in prison, they sang. When Saul's spirit was troubled, he invited David to come in and play music for him. And there was a time when secular and sacred music didn't, there was not a great gap between it. In the Western culture, there seems to be a large gap. But the Bible says that everything good comes from God. And if it comes from, if it's good, it comes from God. And if it comes from God, it has the echo of redemption to it. And so in your life and mine, God gives us music as an avenue, a means of grace. A means of grace means the avenues through which grace travels. Grace is God's favor and God's provision And along with our Bible reading and our worship, one of the things the Lord gives us as a means of grace is music. And so we're going to evaluate that and consider that this morning. I was watching one of the last episodes of The Big Bang Theory. 
where I get most of my inspiration. And uh, Raj has taken out a girl and he's interested in her and things aren't really going that well. And so they decide to up their communication quota and uh, share with one another something that maybe most people don't know. And his girlfriend says, well, okay, I'll, I'll share this. I don't like music. And he looks at her and he says, uh, well, well, what kind of music? She said, all of it. <laughs> and it was a funny moment. But the thing that made it funny was that it seemed so unbelievable. Because music is so much a part of our life. And so as we look at the issue of healing, we're going to look at Star Wars. And when we look at the issue of longing, our team with Brandon are going to play two songs, Danny Boy and Shenandoah. And when we look at the issue of heaven, I'm going to tell you about a woman whose song I want sung at my funeral. So let's get started, shall we? Among the things that music is to do is to bring healing to our hearts, longing, surface longings in our hearts, and remind us of a home of heaven. And so we read from Psalm 137, the relationship of our experience in life with music. It comes out of a time when the Israelites were in bondage in Babylon, though in fact they were actually living quite well and were prospering. Nevertheless, their hearts were heavy because they were not home. And so we read in Psalm 137, by the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while we are in a foreign land? The relationship of music to the experiences of our life. One of the things that music does is brings healing to our life. So my son Nathan, who's a music uh, teacher in Beijing, China, he said to me one day, Dad, you need to watch, uh, you need to listen to this series of podcasts. So now I've moved from pens and parchment to podcasts. I got podcasts on my phone. It's a, it's a signal day of growth in my life. And... Uh, it's a six-part series called Blockbuster, and it is really based on the relationship, the friendship between Steven Spielberg, maybe the greatest film director of our generation, and George Lucas, who created Star Wars. And so I'm, I'm working out at the Y, and I'm listening to these podcasts, and I come to number five and number six, and I... I find out stuff about their relationship and what's going on in the movie industry I'd never known. It was so fascinating. They were young movie directors. And after other directors passed, Steven Spielberg was offered the opportunity to direct Jaws with three mechanical sharks that did not work. In fact, he was so amused that it became a blockbuster that he and George Lucas would drive by theaters where people were lined up in L.A. to see Jaws, and Steven Spielberg would yell out the window, don't go in, it's all a sham, the, jaw, the sharks don't work. And George would say, don't do that, somebody will find out who you are. 
And then he started on a second film, Close Encounters of a Third Kind. And while he started on that film, George Lucas started shopping around about a movie he wanted to make called Star Killers, which eventually became Star Wars. No, no, no studio wanted to do it. They'd never heard of anything like this on this scale. Finally, they found one studio that was willing to take a risk on Star Wars. And it was a disaster from the start. They started filming the outdoor scenes in a desert in Tunisia. And Tunisia ended up with a 100-year rain, rainy season. And day after day, they couldn't shoot because the rain kept coming down. The rain destroyed the sets. They got further and further behind. The debt piled up higher and higher. Finally, the studio said, all right, George, you got one week to finish shooting. That's it, one week. They sent him a second crew. He was running back and forth between the crews, trying to figure out how to finish this movie in one week. Then with some of the bits and pieces together, he invited some friends who got together regularly, who were directors, Francis Ford Coppola, Martin Scorsese, Brian De Palma, Steven Spielberg. They'd all sit in a room, and he showed it. The reviews by those directors were so negative that George Lucas' wife broke out weeping because they had invested some of their own money in it. He went to the Industrial Light and Magic Company that was supposed to be doing the special effects. There were 360 shots. And he said, how many do you have done? The guy says, well, we got three. He says, three? Yeah, but he says, they're really good. Three shots out of 360. As he drove away, he started having pains in his chest that began to break down physically. He thought he was having a heart attack. His doctor said, you're having uh, panic attacks, but if you don't do something, you will have a heart attack. He was so depressed when 20th Century Fox called him and says, we can only find 32 theaters that will even show the movie. And that's when we bribe them that we won't send them another movie if they don't show this one. He called up Steven Spielberg and said, you know, for the week, the week that the movie was opening, he says, let's go to Hawaii. He didn't even want to be in the continental United States. He was so sure that nothing would happen. In fact, in his mind, there was only one bright spot. John Williams, who'd done the movie scores for Jaws and Close Encounters, had been hired to do the score for Star Wars. George Lucas hadn't even heard the music other than John Williams plinking a little bit of it out on a piano. And we're going to listen and see a clip now of where George Lucas is in a recording studio with John Williams and the London Symphony Orchestra. And George Lucas hears for the very first time the music of Star Wars. And in the middle of the clip, you'll hear him call a Steven. That's Steven Spielberg back in L.A. So that Steven can hear this music. And when the clip of about three and a half minutes is done, I'm going to tell you the rest of the story of something about this music that I didn't learn until last week that I hope will warm your hearts as it did mine. 
So let's listen and watch this clip from Blockbusters. Anvil Studios, England. The walls of this great big room had history. And John Williams was about to record with the London Symphony Orchestra for the first time. George was in a smaller room, the control room, separated by soundproof glass. In front of him, an enormous mixing board and his sound crew. George, how was the flight? That was Lionel Newman, the head of music for Fox. He'd made the trip from Los Angeles along with George and, of course, John Williams, who they could see standing at the podium on the other side of the glass. We, we didn't have a score on American Graffiti. I'm, I'm not sure what to expect. Are you in for a treat? John wore a black turtleneck and reading glasses, carefully scanning the sheet music before they begin recording with the orchestra. On the wall of this enormous stage is a projected image of Luke Skywalker, 34 feet across. In front of the screen is a semicircle of fine wood and brass instruments, all lined up facing John at the podium. If we're ready, shall we begin? It was John over the intercom. Uh, all the levels are set. Ready when you are, George. May the force be with us. John grasped the baton and held it up vertically as if casting a musical spell over the orchestra. One and two and. It's the greatest music anyone in that control room has ever heard. They can't believe the only thing between them and the magic being played by the London Symphony Orchestra is just a pane of glass. Steven. George fumbles to dial out to Stephen in Los Angeles. Can you get Stephen on the phone? It's urgent. George, what do you think? Johnny, it's brilliant. It's already the best part of the movie. Ladies and gentlemen of the London Symphony Orchestra, welcome to Star Wars. As John conducted, George watched the film play on the screen above. It was dazzling. The images sparkled with life, more vibrant than they'd ever been before. George, I've got Steven on the line. Steve, you were right about Johnny. Listen to this. George holds up the phone so Steven can hear the music. listened for half an hour, an international long-distance call that would cost the studio nearly $600. 
John's baton held an astonishing command over the orchestra for a recording that would be considered among the greatest musical works of all time. Now here's what uh, people don't know. Not long before John Williams was invited to write the score for Jaws, his wife, who was an actress, they're both around 40 years old, went to work, did her acting for the day, checked into her hotel, didn't show up the next morning. When they went to look for her, they realized she had died in her sleep from a cerebral hemorrhage. John Williams was devastated. He was a young man with a wife and children. Now he was a widower with young children. He was devastated. He could not crawl out of the pain and the anguish and the hurt that he was living with. And then Steven Spielberg asked him if he would write the score Compose the score for Jaws, and then Close Encounters, and then Star Wars. And though everything in his heart wanted to just climb into a hole, he started to work on this music. And after Star Wars became a hit, John Williams went to George Lucas and told him that writing this music had saved his soul that it had brought him back to life when everything in him wanted to die. That in fact, the musical score of Star Wars was an anthem to life. Anything good comes from God. And if it comes from God, it has the echo of redemption in it. Another thing that music helps us understand is uh, the longings that are in our heart. Nolan and I uh, were out in Portland, Oregon, and uh, Chanticleer was singing, going to sing at Reed College. Chanticleer is a group of about 15 men who sing a cappella music. And uh, so we got tickets and we went to their auditorium. Their auditorium is a hardwood floor with uh, folding chairs. But in the middle of that concert, they sang two songs back to back. One was Danny Boy, and the next was Shenandoah. And Brandon and some of his team are going to come out and sing you a verse of Danny Boy. And then I'm going to tell you the backstory of those two songs.
So on this hardwood floor with folding chairs and hundreds of people, suddenly I looked around and you could not hear anything. You could not hear a chair shuffle or a pin drop. And I leaned over to Nolan and I said, this is what C.S. Lewis meant when he said that certain things in life surface the longings of our heart. And rather than repress those longings and push them back in a world where things are not the way they were meant to be, we take those longings and we offer them to the Lord and we allow Him to bring life and redemption where there is loss and disappointment. Longing in our heart is longing for a place we have not seen but our spirit recognizes as home. So it wouldn't be fair if we didn't hear a verse of Shenandoah, right? So let's have them sing that. Oh, Shenandoah, I long to see you Away, rolling river, oh Shenandoah, I long to see you away. We're bound away across the wide. Shenandoah, I love your daughter Away, rolling river It was for her I'd cross your waters Away, we're bound away Across the wide you feel that what do you do with your longings you can find false saviors or you can repress them or you can find the life and sufficiency of Christ when we meet different things in our life that surface the longings that God has placed there. Not only can music bring healing to our life and help us recognize our longings, but music can remind us of heaven. That we are bound for another land and another place. I'm 69 and I've started planning my funeral. For one thing, I want it short, and if I don't plan it, the other thing is I want a lot of music in it. And one of the songs I want is a song that all of us know called Over the, Over the Rainbow. Is that what? 
I heard over the rainbow when I bought a cassette. And it was sung by Eva Cassidy. Eva Cassidy lived and sung in obscurity. She was only known by a few people who heard her singing in clubs and little venues around Washington, D.C. And at the age of 30, she got cancer, and at 33, she was dead. And then inexplicably, a producer for the BBC Two radio programs in England heard one of her songs and told one of his on-air on talent, why don't you play Over the Rainbow by Eva Cassidy? And so he did. The response to that song was so great, it was one of the greatest call-ins for any piece of music BBC Two had ever received. And so now this woman who sang for a few years in Washington, D.C., cut a few private CDs and died in obscurity, becomes one of the most well-known voices in England. Eventually, some of her fans included Paul McCartney and Eric Clapton. It's on this CD right here, the other side. They compiled some of her music, and over the next few years, it sold 10 million copies. And The Guardian, a London newspaper, wrote this as a review. There's an undeniable emotional appeal in hearing an artist who you know died in obscurity, singing a song about hope and a mystical world beyond the everyday. And so whatever other music I have, like Drop Kick Me Me Jesus Through the Goalpost of Life, or uh, Nobody Wants to Play Rhythm Guitar Behind Jesus, Everybody Wants to Be the Lead Singer of the Band, classics like that, (laughs) I want not just anybody, I want Eva Cassidy's voice singing over the rainbow. It reminds me of the John the Apostle who was on the Isle of Patmos and he began to hear the revelation of the Lord. And he writes in Revelation chapter 14, verse 2 and 3, And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of rushing waters and like a loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard were harpists playing their harps. And they sang a new song before the throne, and no one could learn the song except those who had been redeemed from the earth. And so we want to finish just with this question. God gives us means of grace, avenues through which His grace comes to us. Worship, Scripture, and the community of faith and communion and baptism. He gives us music as a way to heal our souls and bring our longings up to Him and remind us that there's a home waiting for us called heaven 
where we will be with him forever. And I think that's what the Lord has for us today. Well, we set our things aside and bow our heads in prayer. Could I just ask before I pray, are you, are you here and dealing with a disappointment or a hurt? Or an unmet longing? Would you bow your heads with me? Would you, would you just offer that to the Lord today? Say, Lord... Here's something bigger than me. I need your grace. I need your grace today. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful to you for your many kindnesses and for how you find so many ways to send us grace, your favor, your provision. For those of us here today who face something in this world and we know it's not the way it was meant to be. I pray that we'll have the courage to offer it up to you and experience the life that you intend for us to have as a witness to the power of our risen Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net. Thanks.